1: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, working to prepare the next generation of teachers, counselors, and educational leaders through online graduate degrees and hybrid doctoral programs. Details at education.olemiss.edu.
0: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, July 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, what could a tariff war mean for Mississippi farmers and consumers? We'll get the latest from a Mississippi congressman. Then find out how reports of telemarketing calls are stacking up big fines for companies.
2: We're very, very um, serious about stopping these calls. They're, they're an annoyance and they are uh, literally harassing Mississippians.
0: And we'll hear about an event encouraging conversation between Mississippians and members of the press. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A trade war between the U.S. and China could be devastating for farmers in the state. That's according to Mississippi Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson. China is imposing a 25% tariff on U.S. soybeans in response to tariff changes imposed by President Donald Trump. China is the biggest importer of soybeans in the world. Last year, Mississippi exported more than $100 million in soybeans to China. That's according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Congressman Benny Thompson says a trade war could drastically affect the state's economy. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood more.
3: The soybean export uh, to China is over $12 billion. Uh, A lot of that uh, is produced right here in the state of Mississippi. And those tariffs could go uh, up to 25%. So a farmer uh, raising his crop anticipates a certain amount of money for his, his product. Well, now that 25% tariff would mean he would have that much less for his product. And so it could potentially put some people out of business. Uh, For sure, if the tariffs continue, I'm not sure those who are able to survive, whether or not they'll be able to generate uh, the loan proceeds uh, necessary to do another crop the next year. So, uh I think based on everything uh I'm able to look at, uh President Trump is basically starting a trade war that at the end of the day will have significant impact uh not just on the economy of Mississippi, but the country as a whole. And so uh my comments uh on it is very simple, uh, President Trump. You started this trade war. You need to stop it.
4: Most folks in agriculture, um, they're paying very close attention to this. But for your average Mississippian, that may not be as involved. What is the simplest way you can put it to let them know how they too may be affected by this?
3: Well, a lot of the products that uh, we uh, enjoy here at a reasonable price here in Mississippi all of a sudden will cost more uh, if we want to continue it. Uh, in addition to soybeans and what we make from soybeans, uh, we, there's corn, there's wheat, there's cotton, there's beef, there's even orange juice. All of that uh, is subject to tariffs, so if, if you are a purchaser of those products, then with the tariffs being what they are, you can look to pay more uh, in the grocery store uh, primarily. And as you know, people have to eat. So uh, direct correlation uh, between supply and demand and the fact that if I have to have food to eat, then I'm going to be subject to the impact of the tariffs by paying more money in the supermarket. So it's a real challenge. And uh, I'm not certain that President Trump was thinking that far out uh, about his so-called raising the tariffs on, on, on goods coming from China. Uh, and trade is a two-way street. And one of the things we had wanted the president to do is to involve Congress in whatever you're proposing. And let's talk about it, but he decided as president that he could do it without consulting Congress. And so we are now left with our constituents calling us saying, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, it was a presidential uh, action uh, that created the problem, and it will require presidential action at this point to correct it.
0: Governor Phil Bryant supports Trump's restrictions. He spoke on the tariffs at an event last week. He says the growth in the state's economy is no excuse for what he calls unfair trading practices from China.
5: I'm concerned. <laughs> I think a lot of people are concerned. We're an automotive agriculture state. I've talked just last week. Uh, I met with Secretary Ross, Wilbur Ross at Commerce. We had a Um, a a very healthy discussion about it. Uh, I've talked to the White House about these tariffs. I I think we have to understand that we have been mistreated in the United States, primarily by China, although Canada and Mexico are our primary partners. I met with the um, leadership of the embassy in Canada. Uh, We've talked to our consul general about it. Um, But uh, we have to, I think, we have to be willing to absorb some of the challenges that they will cause if we're going to have fair trade with China and Mexico. And those are the two countries just now that I think we have to have serious negotiations with. I hope the negotiations come sooner rather than later. We need to get this behind us. The economy is growing, but we cannot continue to be mistreated by co- uh, countries like China um, in our uh, in our free trade markets, and that's what has been taking place. So I support the president what he's doing.
0: Governor Phil Bryant. Coming up, find out how reports of telemarketing calls are stacking up in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 20 years ago, Lindy Liu condemned a man to death. I've got 11 other people that served on the jury with me. I want to see if they were affected in the same way that I was.
6: I didn't consider it twelve people deciding his fate because any one person could stop it, right?
0: Lindy Liu, juror number two.
6: Premier's Monday, July 16th at 9 p.m. on MPB Television.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's Public Service Commission is charging six out-of-state telemarketers with alleged no-call violations. The telemarketers also face thousands of dollars in fines for calling Mississippians on the no-call list. Atlantic Auto Protection in Florida, Alliance in California, and Donor Relations in Nevada are three of the six out-of-state companies facing penalties. Commissioner Brandon Presley says some telemarketers have become predatory in their practices. He talks to MPB's Desiree Fraser.
2: Well, we're continuing our efforts to stop and shut down illegal telemarketers uh, they have become predatory in nature, and while uh we are asking for we'll be asking for new legislation within Mississippi and also on the federal level, uh, this is a good start we're very very um serious about stopping these calls they're they're an annoyance, and they are uh literally harassing Mississippians.
4: Are you getting complaints from folks uh
2: yes we we feel complaints daily dozens of complaints, and we ask the public to continue to report these calls. The technology in place today really makes our investigative process very tough. But uh, all of these cases, all of these investigations, and when we're able to charge these companies, they all start uh, with a report from a citizen. So we encourage you to contact the Public Service Commission. Let us know the calls you're getting. Also, you can download our free app for smartphones Uh, Go to iTunes or to the uh, Google Play, and you'll be able to download it. Put in MS No Call, and it's for free. And you can report the call straight from your cell phone.
4: These six telemarketers have 68 alleged violations between them. Do you think the fines will make them stop?
2: I think the fact that if they do not show up and we get a default judgment against them, we then go and attach that judgment to their property. Uh, That way, if they ever sell, if there's ever any type of transaction. Uh, We've got that judgment attached to their property. Uh, Obviously, we're not dealing with Sunday school teachers. So uh, these companies, more than likely, of course, they're out of state, uh, but are fly-by-night type operations.
4: What are the nature of the complaints that you get? What are they saying to people? They're all different uh, types of
2: calls. Some selling credit cards, some selling types of insurance, some selling car warranties. Uh, It pretty much runs up and down the list. Uh, But again, these are, are companies violating our
4: law the state has a no-call list. Is it worth being on the no-call list? It
2: absolutely is worth being on the no-call list because we have 144 telemarketers who have registered with the state, and they obviously are going the legal route to register and understand who they cannot call. Uh, Being on the no-call list stops you from you know, possible 144 calls. Uh, so that it, it definitely is worth your time. And again, you can register straight from our smartphone app or by calling the commission.
4: Are these some of the first charges that you have levied or is this ongoing? This is
2: ongoing. We've levied over, I believe, 40 charges since the first of the year. And of course, so those are walking are, uh, working themselves through the legal system.
4: How do you feel about what you're able to do to go uh, after these folks? I feel as if we're fighting this battle with one
2: hand tied behind our back uh, simply because the law is not robust enough. Uh, We need to have criminal penalties uh, that someone uh, can enforce, whether it be the attorney general, public service commission, the local law enforcement. Uh, I believe that we should be able to seek a warrant uh, for those that were found in violation and lock
4: them up. Is that the legislation you'll be pursuing? Yes, ma'am.
0: Public Service Commissioner Brandon Presley. John O'Hara is CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Mississippi. He tells our Desiree Frazier what consumers should do if they are spoofed by telemarketers.
6: Well, one thing that uh, people should do is if you don't recognize the number that's calling you is let it go to voicemail if someone's trying to get in touch with you. What has been happening a lot with telemarketers is they're starting to spoof numbers and they're using local numbers. So uh, people, uh, when they see the caller ID, they answer the phone, and then it's someone calling trying to, to sell them something or uh, tell them that uh, there may be a problem with a the warranty they have. So uh, people need to uh, – the more you answer those those calls, the more you continue to stay on a list that people will call you.
4: How is it that they are able to get a different number to call you from?
6: Uh, It is. What they do is they call it spoofing, and the number that they dial out from will spoof it to look at a local number, and they could be calling from anywhere in the United States. And instead of you seeing an 800 number or an 888 number or an 866 number, you're seeing a 601 or a a 662 or a 228 number.
4: Is that legal?
6: There is no rules about spoofing.
4: Is that something you think that people are going to look at regulating in the future or should be regulated?
6: Uh, they do look at that. Uh, it's something that has been up for discussion. Now, one thing you have to remember about this is uh, most legitimate companies do not do this. Now, uh, the part of the problems you have with phones, the phone uh, telemarketer scammers, is they don't—they're not from the country and they don't abide by our laws. They don't abide to our do not call list. Um, they do not, you know. They don't take any of that seriously, so they just uh, do it anyway.
4: I have heard there are people getting calls saying that the person is from the IRS and that they have a number of violations, and if they don't call right away within 24 hours, they're going to be arrested. These type of calls frighten people, especially the elderly and those that may not have any idea how the IRS works. So what do you tell people?
6: It's not just the IRS. It is police departments that say that you have unpaid tickets or you miss jury duty. It is also uh, the power company saying that your power is about to be turned off. What people need to do when they receive these calls is they need to verify their information. The IRS do not call you. These are scammers that are doing this and they're trying to get you to pull on a motion. You know, it's hot out. If you think your power is going to be turned off in the next two or three hours and it's 100 degrees outside, you may be more inclined to go ahead and and make arrangements to make payments. So people need to take the information down, get off the phone. If it is the sheriff's department or if it is uh, an official like the IRS or the power company is make your own contact uh, to make sure that uh, you can clear your status instead of them contacting you.
4: Have you been able to ascertain how effective these calls are, you know, scaring people into paying money or getting people to buy something?
6: At the Better Business Bureau here in Mississippi, not a day goes by where someone hasn't called us where they have given out information they shouldn't have because they have done that over the phone. It could be someone saying they're uh, just updating their information and instead of asking for money, they're asking them to verify their Social Security number and their date of birth, and uh, the way they're verifying is they're just asking what it is, and people are just go ahead and doing it. They get off the phone, then they realize that was probably not a good idea, and they call us. So this is something that happens here daily where someone is reporting that someone has made that call.
4: Anything that I didn't ask you that's important about this issue?
6: The one thing is that people, uh, unfortunately, need to really uh, just don't go by the number, the uh, ID that comes up, Uh, you need to verify that phone number. And if you happen to uh, buy something uh, or if you uh, happen to be asked, you really need to report it to a local authority. You can contact us at the Better Business Bureau. We can point you in the right direction uh, to who people can contact. And if you did get, if you're on the do not call list and a company does contact you, you can report it uh, to the do not call list. And this helps with finding and prosecuting these companies, and it stops this from happening. So don't just take the call. Uh, If you feel it's a violation, you really need to report it because no action can happen when people don't take action on their end.
4: John O'Hara with the Better Business
0: Bureau. Thank you so much.
6: Well, we appreciate the time, and thank you very much for having us on.
0: Better Business Bureau CEO John O'Hara with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Coming up, we'll hear about an event encouraging conversation between Mississippians and members of the press. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, working to prepare the next generation of teachers, counselors, and educational leaders through online graduate degrees and hybrid doctoral programs. Details at education.olemiss.edu. This is
0: Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians will have the chance to engage members of the press this weekend. The event is called People, Politics, and the Press. It's an unprecedented collaboration between the Mississippi Humanities Council, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Mississippi Press Association Education Foundation, the Clarion Ledger, and Mississippi Today. The one day civic engagement summit could bring or could bridge gaps in communication between the public and the press. Stuart Rockoff is executive director of the Mississippi Humanities Council. He speaks on the relationship between journalism and democracy in this country.
1: That's the question that we're going to be exploring on Saturday is a strong, healthy democracy requires an informed citizenship. And how do people learn about what their government is doing, what's happening around the world? That's through journalism. So, I mean, I really think that journalism plays a crucial role um, in our country and our democracy, and that's what we're trying to highlight this weekend.
0: Of course, the media is constantly under attack by the president of the United States. He paints the media as the enemy of the American people. He's even called the media the, the enemy of the American people. Uh, fake news, we hear that thrown around all the time. So how does media respond to that without responding to that?
1: Well, and I should say that the Humanities Council is a nonpartisan organization. Sure. Um, but I do think that uh, people um, who are not involved in writing news stories need to understand what process goes into it, right? So the charge that, this person made up sources? Well, there are structures in place at these newspapers to ensure that what is reported is accurate. And so I think just educating the public about what goes into the journalistic process, um, understanding that what you read in your newspaper goes through a long series of vetting, and editing, and that um, while nobody's perfect, um, I think that it's really important that um, sort of whatever your political persuasion, that being informed about what's going on in your government is really, really crucial.
0: I think that the line between news analysis Hmm. and actual news gets blurred a lot in our state of media now.
1: Absolutely. And the like 24 hour news cycle, you know, and... means filling in 24 hours of news. And so news, quote, quote, right. <laughs> so it's basically opinion for a lot of, the you know, case. And so I think that there's certainly distinctions to be made between television and print journalism and online. And so I think that uh, it's really important that we um, understand that journalism is different from opinion. Um, And while all journalism doesn't necessarily need to, you know, isn't necessarily objective, but it relies on certain rules of truth and fairness that are uh, really um, important to the whole journalistic process.
0: Can we also assume that the word bias will come up? during this summit? For sure.
1: And certainly there are um, charges of the media having a liberal bias. Um, certain news um, sources are accused of being conservative. And so I think kind of a discussion about what is objectivity? What does a journalist owe to their readers? You know, can journalism have a perspective but still be based on facts and still um, uh, serve a purpose? I think that's, that's really important tell us about the
0: summit itself. You have some heavy hitters coming in.
1: Yeah, and so so this is part of a national initiative funded by the Mellon Foundation, and it's called Democracy and the Informed Citizen. So that kind of gets to what we're trying to uh, reach here. And it's to highlight the importance of journalism in our democracy. And it's under threat uh, from politics, from economics. And so we, um, working with a broad range of partners, including MPB, but also the Clarion-Ledger, Mississippi Today, and the Mississippi Press Association, and we consider. This is sort of a day long event. People can come and go as they please with speakers and panels that highlight both local journalists, folks who have covered Mississippi for a long time, but also bring in some national perspectives. And I got to tell you, it's been a bit of a challenge, um, you know, because if you enlist a journalist to come to your event and world events happen, like, say, a summit between the president and <laughs> Vladimir Putin, uh, we lost two of our three keynotes a few weeks um. ago over that, but we luckily got some wonderful replacements. And so we're going to bring in Jesse Holland from the Associated Press. He's a Holly Springs native. He is a national political reporter for the Associated Press. He's covered Congress, the White House, the Supreme Court. He's written books. He's a really interesting guy. We're excited to have Evan Smith, who is the uh, CEO of The Texas Tribune, which is an online nonprofit, uh, very successful news source in Texas. And then, you know, we have a national political reporter for The New York Times, Alex Burns. And, um, you know, he's going to bring that sort of national perspective of what's going on kind of politically. So we're very excited to have all those as well as a wealth. I think I counted up. We have nine different media sources being represented on the program. And folks can learn more about it at peoplepoliticspress.com. Although it's .com, it is
0: free. It is free, but you're asking for... Registration. Correct? Yeah,
1: um, just, just so we wanted to have a sense of how many folks are coming, and we're doing it at the two Mississippi museums here in Jackson. And so um, we do ask that folks go on the website, click register. It is free, although you can pay for an optional lunch if you want, but you don't need to. But even if you did not register, you can still show up on Saturday. But pre-registering will guarantee you a seat in the room. Now,
0: is this geared towards the general public or more towards media types?
1: Oh, no. The whole idea is to put media types on a stage, give them a mic- Microphone and let people come and learn about what these journalists think about the challenges that they face today to educate the public about how they work um, and they're important. So, oh, no, I mean, it's definitely open to the general public. There are lots of different topics throughout the day. Um, again, all that schedule is at peoplepoliticspress.com. Um, and you can see who were. you know, some panels may interest you more than others, but the topics include fake news and public trust in the media. How do we lose public trust in the media? How do we regain it? We have a wonderful panel about community journalism. Small town newspapers have been such an important part of our culture here in Mississippi. And around the country what 's happening with them you know how are they navigating all of these changes that have been occurring we 've got a straight politics panel with some political observers to kind of give their opinions about what 's happening in Mississippi and in the south sort of politically we have a uh, panel of uh, veteran capital reporters and we thought it would be fun to have someone who 's normally on the receiving end of their questions actually asking the questions so we have the like communications director for the Speaker of the House Meg Anderson is going to be moderating that panel of capital veteran reporters and we want wanted to have a panel that looked at how like millennials are engaged with the media. In fact, so many of our reporters from Mississippi are young. So we've got a panel and they're going to discuss how has the media changed? Do young people consume their news differently? You know, most of them do not watch the six o'clock news, if you will.
0: Dr. Stuart Rockoff is the executive director of the Mississippi Humanities Council. Thanks so much. Thank you. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10 o'clock, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.